Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. Good evening, everyone. Um, it's nice, nice to be with you all. So, look, they told me, I think, do a talk for like half an hour and then 15 minutes question and answer. But can we maybe turn it around a bit? Can we just have a, like a discussion rather than just a lecture? Is that okay? Like, so give and take throughout. Would that work? Yeah? All right. Awesome. So the question we're discussing tonight is, like Evan said, why do I need the church if God is everywhere? Now, it's a very interesting question, the way it's worded, right? Can you hear me? Okay. Why do I need the church if God is everywhere? What does that question imply about the church? Like, what does it presuppose the church is? If you're asking, why do I need the church if God is everywhere? It's a building, right? It's a place. Which is a very interesting way to look at it. I'm hoping that tonight we'll get to the conclusion that church is a lot more than a place. Like, it's very limiting to see church as a place. This is it. Yeah? The church is a lot bigger than that. Man-made? Yeah, exactly. Man-made building, yes. Exactly. Exactly. And, and there's a very interesting part in um, the book of Acts when St. Paul goes to um, Athens and he sees them worshipping a lot of gods and different temples and he says to them basically, God does not dwell in temples, buildings made with hands. It's, it's not that straightforward. Yeah. So it's, it's a very interesting way the question is phrased, but I'm hoping that tonight we can elevate a bit above the thinking that church is a place. Is that okay? Alright, so, what is the church then? By the way, I, I was saying to Michael, if, if, please stop me at any point. If, if I don't make sense, if I confuse you, just please feel free to stop me. I won't take it personally, but just to make sure that we're all together on the same page. Alright, so I'm going to try to show you stuff from the Bible as much as possible, so it's not my own opinion. It's all biblical, okay? So, what is the church? Maybe we can look at that first. Okay, so I've got a passage here from the book of Colossians and Paul's letter to the Colossians, which is a church that he was writing to in like the first century. And I took a passage out of it. And it's, it's a very, and I've highlighted things in red to make it very, very easy for us to pick up the key points, okay? So can someone read? Do you mind reading? difficult, yeah? Because St. Paul is not simple, so don't feel bad if you don't understand what he's saying. But we'll take it step by step. Okay? So, he starts off by saying, but he, being Christ, is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. This is Christ. He's the firstborn from the dead. He's the first one to, to rise from the dead and with a new nature, 
So he's our firstborn, and then we all follow. That in all things he may have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father, God the Father, that in him, in Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And by him, by Christ, to reconcile all things to himself. So God the Father reconciled all things to himself by Christ. Okay? It's a bit heavy, but just follow me, yeah? Any questions so far? Yeah, all good? Okay. By him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, so he's reconciled everything, things on earth, things in heaven, reconciled everything to himself, God the Father, through Christ. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, Christ's cross. And you, he's talking to us now, who once alienated an enemies in your mind by wicked works. So we were enemies with God, if you like. As in, we couldn't mix with God. Holiness, sinfulness, don't mix, yeah? So we were alienated from the life of God and enemies because of the wicked works. Yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh, Christ's flesh, through death, to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. So Christ has now presented us to God the Father, holy, blameless. That's a big, big statement. Blameless. Blameless. And above reproach in God's sight. So God looks at us now and says... Blameless, above reproach. Me, me. You know what I've done? Yeah, yeah. But don't worry. Through Christ, blameless, above reproach. Okay, that's the summary of this passage. Any questions on this passage? I'm going to ask you questions now to see if, if you're paying attention. But before I do, any questions? Okay, I'm going to ask you some questions now, and I'll give you a clue. All the all the answers are in red. <laughs> And all the answers are in the passage, not, not outside, just in the You don't think outside, it's all here. Okay, so, first question is this Who's the head? Huh? Who's the head? Christ. Okay, Christ is the head. What's the body? Don't be shy, don't be shy. Church. Okay, so St. Paul is saying, the body is the church and the head is Christ. So going back to my first question, is the church a building? No, it's a lot more than that. The church is the body of Christ. Okay? We're going to get deep, but stop me if you want. Okay, so the church is the body of Christ. And St. Paul, in another passage, if you were at church on Sunday, last Sunday, which was the Feast of Pentecost, the Pauline epistle that we read was talking about this, and Paul was saying that we are all members of the body. So if you can imagine, like you're a finger, you're a pinky, I don't know, you're a thumb, you're an arm, we all make up the body of Christ, and Christ is the head. Okay? Alright, now this is a harder question, a bit harder. How did God the Father reconcile us to Himself? In the verse, in the life, yes, exactly through Son. Okay, now specifically in the verse, the last part that's in red, he says he has now reconciled us. What? Huh? In his flesh. Yeah, in the body of his flesh. Okay. Yeah, so he reconciled us in the body. I'm going to ask you again. What's the body? 
the church. So can I say that God the Father reconciled us in the church? Yeah, can I say that? I can, right? So, through the body, God has reconciled us to himself. Through the church. Okay? So, going back to the question, why do I need the church? I'm hoping it's going to become obvious why I need the church. (laughs) It's not an option. (laughs) It's essential. Because God the Father reconciled us in the church. The church is the body of Christ. Okay, this, may, this may seem very theoretical. So I, I was trying to think of a way to bring it closer to, to life. I've got a simple mind, so the way I think about it is this. Right? So, so imagine with me. When God created Adam, he was one man. Just one man. And out of this one man came Eve. right? And then out of Adam and Eve came like, their sons, and then their sons, and then us, and then the whole world. right? So everything started with one man. Okay? And if you think about it, when God created Adam and Eve, when, when, when Adam saw Eve, what did he say? He said, oh, this is flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. Because like, we're one. Like, she, she, she got taken out of me. Like, we're, we're one. Yeah? So God created us to be one. But through the sin, what's happened is humanity became fragmented. Like, like, what God created as one became fragmented, became individuals. Yeah? That's why as soon as Adam sinned and God asked him, Adam, did you eat? What did he say? The woman you gave me, she gave me. They've turned each other now. Like, like, it's fragmented. Before it was all romantic and nice, flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. After the sin, she made <laughs> see, the, see the, the change? Fragmentation. And then Adam and Eve have kids. And what do the kids do to each other? Cain and Abel? They kill each other. So humanity has not turned on each other, but we were created to be one. And, and the same applies for all of creation. If I take a step back, God created everything through Christ. Yeah? In, in the Gospel of John it says, everything was made through Him and nothing was made that was made except through Christ. So it, I can say that the origin was Christ. And from that origin came the whole world, came Adam. Everything was meant to be united in Christ, but everything was fragmented. So God's now thinking, can I bring everything back together again? Can I undo the fragmentation that Adam caused? Can I do that? Okay, so it's all started with one man, and all humanity came out of one man. Can I bring all of humanity back into one man? Yeah? And that man is Christ. And now we are all members of the body of Christ. We all come together again into one man, which is Christ. That's the church. Like what I just described there, that's the church. Is that clear? I feel I've dived right in. I was, was going to ease in. But <laughs> is, please stop me or uh, any comments or questions or anything. What if the church is a, like a corrupt church? What if the church is a, a corrupt one? What if the church is a corrupt church? Good question. What do you guys think? Um, I don't believe this uh, a corrupt church as such. I agree, because I think, don't forget, the church is the body of Christ. The church is not the priest, the bishop, that's not, that's not the church, they're members of the church. So I can't say the body of Christ is corrupt. 
Some members maybe need a bit of help. Some members maybe some, and we'll get into this. Some members may say, "I don't. I'm not going to be part of this body, and I cut myself off the body." And and when that okay, so let's take a physical example. So imagine like a body, and I'm a finger in the body. So this is the body of Christ, and I'm a finger in the body of Christ. If this finger says, "You know what? I don't like this body." I don't know if like maybe you come to this church. I don't like Egyptians. They're noisy, right? So I don't like, like I don't like this church. They're all hypocrites. I don't like whatever, right? So I, I basically I don't like this body. So I'm going to cut myself off, and I'm going to sit here on the table on my own. What happens to this finger physically if it, if it cuts itself off and just sits here? It dies, right? It dies. The only way the finger is going to live is to be connected to the body. Again, going back to the question, why do I need the church? It's the body of Christ. So, if you think about it, I can kind of say that your access to the head is through the body. Right? So if I'm a finger, my access to the head is through the body. I.e., my access to Christ is through the church. Make sense? I'm making some big statements. I don't know. We are resistant to this idea, and I'll tell you why. It all goes back to what I was saying about Adam and Eve. We, because of, as a result of sin, we have now become very individualistic. We don't like this idea of we're one body. No, like the way society is set up, the way we're brought up, like every man for himself. I'm, I'm in competition with you, and we're fighting for the same job. But so, so we don't like this. This goes against our current mentality. Because that's just the way things are these days. That's the corruption that's entered the world. But that's not the way God intended it to be. Yeah? So, my access to Christ is through the church. Can I say, so imagine the finger, right? The finger goes, I don't like this body, but I like the head. Like, I like Christ, I love Christ, but I don't love the church. So, I'm going to go straight to, to, to Christ. So, can, can the finger come and just stick itself to the head? Can it do that? can't. It's possible, right? You can't. Same with us. I can't say, I don't need this body. I'm going to go straight to God. Look, I, don't, I don't need this body. No. Your access to Christ is through the body. I, I'm not being a fanatical Orthodox Christian. I'm not. I, I, I feel this is biblical. It's black and white. That's the way God intended for us to be. Make sense? Mark. That's a very good question. Okay, so when I do my own prayers, that separates the body. It's a very good question. When they asked Jesus to teach them how to pray, what did he say? He said, say this when you pray. Say what? Our Father. Not my Father. Okay? So even when I'm praying individually, I'm part of the body. It's very interesting that Jesus, if you look at the, the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, everything is our. Our, there's no my. Yeah? Deliver us from evil. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us. So why do you say my father? We like this idea of a personal relationship with God, which is important, don't get me wrong, but, but I feel the way God designed it is, it's almost like God is trying to say to me, it's not about my relationship with you, it's my relationship with you. Obviously, each member of the body has to do their part, don't get me wrong. 
What, what praying in your room is very important. That's what Jesus said. You go in your room, you close the door. Yes. Every member has to do their part. But never forget, even if you're a monk in the desert, on your own, you're going to, whether you like or not, you're going to say, Our Father, when you pray. See what I mean? And this tells me again that, that the church is not just a physical place. The church is not just practices I come and do. The church is almost like a, like a, a mode of existence. See what I'm trying to say? Being part of the body of Christ is like a mode of existence rather than a, a physical practice I do. The physical practice is important. This is important, don't get me wrong. But this is not it. It's a, it's a mode of existence. And I don't take this the wrong way, but I can come to church every single day and attend every single service and still not be part of the body. Or I can be a monk in the desert on my own and I'm more part of the body than someone who's physically in the church. Does that make sense? Any comments or questions? Okay, you guys okay? Everyone alright? Okay. Alright, so if I was to ask you, I, I still want to kind of like just make sure that we understand this point. If I was to ask you, what is Jesus' like, biggest wish? What would you say his wish is? What's his wish? If you were to ask him, Lord, make one wish, what do you think he'd say? Sorry? To save us all. To save us all. Very good. Excellent. 100%. And I guess, what does that mean? Like, like, everyone. To unite all of humanity to himself. Okay. Any other thoughts? Anyone else? We must say, pray to the men. First, we must Yeah, exactly. So there's a, there's a very famous prayer in the Gospel of St. John. It comes from John chapter 17. <clears throat> it's it's Jesus' last recorded prayer. And it's Jesus' longest recorded prayer in the Bible. So if you have a Bible, you know, with Jesus' words in red, that whole chapter's red. And the whole chapter is Jesus praying. This is Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane just before he gets arrested. So it's almost like, you know, when someone's like, just about to die and they have like their last wish. It's the most profound wish. It's the most, this is his wish. So I took some snippets from that prayer that will show you what is on the heart of Christ. What is his wish, okay? <clears throat> so it's in John 17. You can read the whole chapter. It's a beautiful chapter. But I took some snippets from it. So look at this. He says, Holy Father, keep through your name those whom you have given me. So us, humanity. What? That they may be one as we are. This is huge, right? So he's basically saying, I want them to be one just as you and me, God the Father, God the Son, are one. How united is God the Father, God the Son? That's perfect unity. There's, there's no more unity than that. So he, he wants us to be one the same way he's one with the Father. He, he goes on. I do not pray for these alone, so the disciples standing around me, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That's us now. What's he praying? That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. See, see the wish? He wants us to be one, the way him and the Father are one, that we may be one in the Trinity. 
it speaks stuff I don't, I don't want to get into Trinitarian, Trinitarian theology because it's deep, but just like, simply I think you get what he's trying to say he wants to be one he wants to be united and it's interesting how he ends it he says that the world may believe that you sent me so it's almost like if we are united we won't need to preach but the world will know that Jesus was sent by God it's, it's actually it's quite, quite amazing again same prayer and the glory which you gave me I have given them. That's, that's a huge statement again. Like this prayer, you can spend like a whole lifetime just, just contemplating. But just this sentence blows my mind. He's saying to God the Father, the glory you gave me. So the glory God the Father gave God the Son, I've given them. Like to, to us. To us. Why? Why do you do that? That they may be one. Again, just as we are one. I in them and you in me. That they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know again that you have loved, that you have sent me and loved them as you have loved me. So what's Jesus' wish? As Evan said, his deepest wish is he wants us to be one. Yeah? So like I'm saying, like, I'm not just a fanatical orthodox. This is biblical. <laughs> this is the heart of Jesus, the heart of Christ, that we may be one. Yeah? Thoughts, comments, questions? No? If you think about it, right, God, without getting too complicated, God is Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three persons in one. Right? God is love. But if there's no one to love, how can you say, I love? Like, if I'm alone in this whole universe, how can I say, yeah, I, I, I love? I need someone to love, right? So, we are created on the image of God, who is Trinity, perfect love, perfect unity. So, in order for me to be a true human being and fulfill my purpose that God created me to be, I have to love. And in order for me to love, I need someone to love, right? So, in other words, what I'm trying to get to is, I need you guys for my salvation. I can't say, I don't need you. I'm going solo. I can't. And, and like you were saying, the first commandment is love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. I have to. Like, you, you are essential for my salvation. So I can't say I don't need the church. And again, the church being the definition we just spoke about, the body of Christ, not, not a place. It's the body of Christ. Yep. And St. Paul says this in... Um, this is the, the Pauline from last Sunday, the Feast of Pentecost. He says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Look this part. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. So he's saying, one member of the body can't say to another member, I don't need you. And same with me. I can't say to you, I don't need you guys. I'm, I'm gone solo. I don't need you. I can't say that. So, so why do I need the church? I need the church because I can't. I can't say I don't need the church. I need the church to be saved. Does that make sense? So when you say, um, like, I don't need you, um, are you talking about the congregation or uh, like as a whole? Or are you talking about like 
individuals within the congregation. So are you saying we have to love every single individual in the congregation or just the congregation in general? That's a great question. Thoughts? Do I need to love like, individual members of the congregation or just the congregation in general? What do you guys think? Right. <laughs> I love you guys. You could want one though. It's easier, right? It's, it's a lot easier. Yeah, but surely there's members that have done you wrong. You can't love them individually. Interesting, yeah? So there's members that have done you wrong. You can't love them. What do you guys think? You can still love them. God is love. You can always find excuses for the. And I think, sorry, I mean, um, it's added to that, though. It, it could be cases where there's been like significant fraud. You know, someone's done something that's absolutely horrific in their part of the body, and it happens, yeah? yeah. So I think, like, what I'm trying to say, you know, we still love that person. It doesn't mean that we put ourselves in situations where we could be traumatized very badly once again. So yeah. if someone's abused, had abuse or whatever it might be, they're not going to put themselves in the same position to be abused, if that makes sense. But they'll pray for that person up front to hold any resentment or any feelings in their heart. If the person's in need, they'll try and send relief or whatever it might be. But with wisdom, not allowed to be heard again in other instances. Yeah. Exactly. I think the definition of love, when you say you can't love, what's love exactly? Love doesn't mean I, I have to be always with them or I have to. Uh, I don't know, trust them with money. It doesn't necessarily mean that kind of thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but what's love? Again, what's love? I think humanly speaking, like you said, if someone does you wrong, you can't love them. That's humanly speaking. But Jesus says to us, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That's a different type of love now. This is like divine love. Jesus has spat in his face and killed him and he still died for them. Like, it's, like someone was saying, can you imagine when they were nailing Jesus to the cross, Who's, who's allowing the heart of this soldier to beat as he's nailing? It's God, what's sustaining his life as he's nailing to the cross? It's a crazy type of love. It's not a human love at all. It, it has to be a divine love that, that God pours in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. It's not me with my own will power. Impossible. I can't love that way. Impossible. Yeah. I, like, I like to think of the church as a fellowship of believers. Now, we want unity in the church. Right? Unity is not uniformity. Yes. There can be differences. But we need to be believing one thing and uh, following the Lord. We love not just thinking that everyone's got to be uniform, think the same, and do the same. That's all we want. But the analogy of the fire. Church should be vibrant and uh, living and lively. And if you have a fire and you've got three or four sticks in there and burning well and that sort of thing, you take one stick out and put it over there somewhere on the ground. 
100%. And I love what you said, how like unity doesn't mean we're all the same. And it's so true. Because going back to the Trinity, we were made on the image of the Trinity, right? The Trinity is three persons, but not, not persons the way we think of persons, like three hypostases, right? That are perfectly united, but perfectly distinct. Like the Holy Spirit is not the Son, the Son is not the Father. So it doesn't make any sense, but it's perfect distinctiveness and perfect unity. And I think the same with us. We're going to be distinct with, with our own different personalities, but united at the same time, which is the image of God. Any other thoughts? Or? So, so I guess what I'm trying to say is that this, this unity idea, this body of Christ, it's not an option. Like, it's not like, like, sometimes we think, yeah, it'd be nice if the church is united and everyone gets along, like, it'd be cute, it'd be very cute. It's not cute. Like, this, is, this, is, this is like, this is essential. Like, this is the way we're created to be. Like, and as I was saying, the only way we're, we're going to become true human beings is in unity, in love. You know the, 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 the word in, in Greek for person? I'm not Greek, so I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But, but do, is anyone Greek? Are you, do you know the word for person? No, that's man. What about person? Pro, yeah, what is it? Yeah, so apparently, correct me if I'm wrong, it means to face. Or the face. Yeah. So, which, which tells me that to be a real person, you have to almost like face someone else. Like you have to be in, a, in, a, in some sort of relationship with someone else. So, so your personhood depends on others, on unity. There's a story, of, I think it was St. Macarius, who was walking in the desert and he found a, uh, um, a pagan, no, so he found a skull or something, and he shook it. He goes, who are you? He goes, I was a pagan priest. He goes, where are you now? He goes, I'm in hell. And he goes, what's hell like? And very interesting, he goes, hell is, we're all sitting there back to back. We can't see anybody's face. We've lost our personhood. So what I'm trying to say is that it's, it's, it's an essential. It's not a nice to have. It's not cute. Like it's, this is humanity. This is the way humanity was created to be. Okay? All right. Uh, any questions? You guys are very quiet. I was expecting a lot of uh, discussion. Okay. Maybe I'll, I'll get a bit more closer to home. Now, I'm going to say that the church, the, the Orthodox church, really understands the heart of God. Really understands the heart of God and really understands this concept. This concept of the body of Christ will explain a lot of the, the funny things we do in church. A lot of the funny things we do. Always keep this in the back of your mind, the body of Christ, body of Christ. Simple example. What's the most important thing we do in church? Eucharist. What's the Eucharist? What are we doing? We're eating the body of Christ. So now we, we're each eating a body of part of the body of Christ, that makes us all one united body of Christ. Yeah? In, in the Eucharist, I'll show you... Um, so actually, this is the, uh, what I was saying before about humanity being fragmented and God bringing it all together. Look at this amazing verse in Ephesians. It says that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ. This is what I was saying. He's bringing back everything in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, in Him. I think this is the perfect definition of the church. This is the church. God brings everything together, back together in one. The, the origin, the source of it, in Christ. That's the church. 
Okay, sorry, I was talking about the Orthodox Church. So, when we, when, if you attend the liturgy here in the church, when the, body, when the bread and wine become body and blood of Christ, and we all bow down, and then we get up, what's, does anyone know what's the first prayer the priest prays at that point? Make us all worthy. Any idea? Yes, exactly. Partake of the audit that we. Yes, exactly. All right. So this one. Make us all worthy, O our Master, to partake of your. It's the first prayer that priest prays, right? Partake of your holiness, the confession of our souls, words and spirit, that we may become one body and one spirit, and may share the inheritance of all the saints that have pleased you since the beginning. Another thing we do in church that, that's maybe interesting. You know, we exchange a holy kiss. A lot of churches exchange a kiss like the sign of peace. Okay. Why do we do that? And we do that right at the beginning before we start the liturgy. Why are we doing that? Why is it so important? To make it awkward, yeah? And especially during COVID, right? Everyone's like... People give them a thumbs up. <laughs> Very awkward, right? But, what, what? Exactly. Because think about it. I can't... Like, we can't start praying... If, if I'm fighting with someone, like, like, like the finger's fighting with the thumb. Like, you can't. You can't. So you've got to reconcile with the body before you, you, you start partaking of this Eucharist. Like, it makes sense. Right? Uh, fun fact, fun fact. You know, well, it's not a fun fact, but if, if you're fighting with someone, you shouldn't have communion. You guys know that? That's, that's like a, a, a rule. And Jesus said it. Jesus said, if you're offering up your sacrifice and you remember your brother has something against you, leave the altar, leave the altar, go reconcile to your brother, then come back. So if you're fighting, you shouldn't have communion. You know, and another fun fact, when, when the priest comes out sometimes and he says, I've sinned, forgive me, before he starts praying. Again, he's trying to reconcile. Here's the fun fact. You know, if, if you say, sorry, Father, I don't forgive you. You know, he can't pray the liturgy. That's it. Stop. Shut shop. Everyone go home. <laughs> Trust me. Try it next Sunday. <laughs> but just, that's how serious it is. Like, that's how serious the unity is. Why? Because the body of Christ is essential. Yeah? Okay. I'm going to get more controversial now. Controversial. Okay. Why does our church ask for the intercessions of the saints? Why not just ask God directly? Like, like, why the intercessions of the saints? Controversial now. Exactly. They're still part of the body. Exactly. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. The body of Christ is not limited to time and space. It's not just this is the body. The body of Christ transcends time, death, and not like we are all one. So the way I ask you to pray for me, I ask St. Mary to pray for me, I ask St. Joy, what's the big deal? We're all one. We're one body. Yeah? Okay, I'm going to get even more controversial now. Why confess to a priest? Why confess to a priest? Confess straight to God. What do you think? Yeah, to make it all <laughs> That's the objective of the church, to make things all <laughs> Again, like I was saying, always keep in your mind, body of Christ. But it's going to explain a lot of what the church does because the church is centered, the church is the body of Christ. So everything we do is about the body of Christ. Why confess to a priest? Why not confess straight to God? So 
Yeah, I actually have, I actually think about that a lot. Yeah. Actually, I'm used to all the situation. I kind of have a problem with that. Yeah. I do like confessing to somebody because it's kind of like the way I see it. It's like imagine you have a fridge at home that gives you ice cubes, but then you always go into the server like, and but you still go to the server to get ice cubes. Just like why don't you just use the fridge that you got at home? Just right? try it. Yeah. Right. So I just I just don't understand and. The intercession thing as well, like I've been thinking about it. And just reading revelations and everything, it's like you get told that like, the whole process of how the kingdom comes about and everything. People aren't ready, like people are dead and then Jesus comes and then he resurrects everybody and that's how people you know and then he chooses and he provides everything. And I'm just thinking, I'm like, if that's the process, then how are you praying to these saints if they're not resurrected yet? If they're still on the ground. They're not in Christ yet. The body's not resurrected. But I can't call them no, like dead. Yeah. Like, again, and, and Jesus said this to the to the, I think the Sadducees who didn't, who didn't believe in resurrection. He said to them, God says, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they're dead? How can he be the God of the dead? Yeah. See what I mean? So, so yeah. the fact that they're not resurrected, that's the body not resurrected, but they're not dead. So, okay. I'm just, sorry, I'm just really confused. That's all right, so we can chat after, we can chat after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are in a closer place to God than we are. There's a transition area. But there's a spirit? There's a spirit. The body will resurrect. So, like, when we die, our souls will go there. Yes. Okay, I always thought that you die, and then you're dead, and then Jesus comes. But but so, so back to confessing to a priest, I think it's a very, very good question. I, I, I struggle with it a lot. But but let's think now, body of Christ. Accountability. Yeah, that's part of that because I think body of Christ. say God, Christ gave that authority to the church, the body. Yes. Yes. to one another. Yes. Uh, okay. So let me, let me have myself. So in the olden days, exactly. So, so, okay. So when I sin, right? What's sin, if you think about it? Sin is me separating myself from God, right? So you can think about it as the body of Christ. I've separated myself from Christ. Now, I want to access Christ again. Remember what we said? My access to the head is through the body. So in order for me to reconcile again with Christ, I have to reconcile with the body, right? That's why all this, I'd stand up in front of the church, the body, confess to be reconciled back to the body and Christ. But now, because people get embarrassed, the, the priest represents the church. 
But if you like, we could go back to, you know, you know on Sunday, uh, your turn, go for it. But the idea is that I'm reconciling, my, remember, my access to the head is through the body. So I have to reconcile the body. I can't say, like I said at the beginning, I'm going straight to the body. The finger's going straight to the body, to the, to the head, sorry. I can't. My access to Christ is through the church. See what I mean? So, like I'm saying, our church is going to make a lot more sense if I always keep this in mind. It's the body of Christ. Body of Christ. My access to Christ is through the church. He reconciled us through the body. All the stuff we talked about. I think this is a, these are two separate topics we could have later on, which is vision and, uh, and also how to do the science. Yeah, of course. And, and the science has sort of uh, impact on many of us. Yes. Definitely, definitely the, the saints, the, the body, you know, I was thinking about that. The body, which is in heaven, like the saints, are a lot closer than we think. We, 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 we pray now in this, this period of the Apostles' Fast. Uh, we sing a song during communion, usually, um, Ask all men, let us praise the name of the Lord, for he is glorified with glory, he ascended to the highest heavens. One of the verses of that hymn is a crazy, crazy verse. It says, he made the two into one, heaven and earth. What? Sometimes we see things, we don't really pay attention, but what? He made the two into one, heaven and earth? Heaven's closer than we think. Like the, it's, yeah, but that's, that's another topic. And another one, what happens after we die? Yes, that's a, that's a very, very interesting topic, yes. Topic. Yes, exactly. Um, so I guess uh, on that sorry. Yes, definitely, definitely. The priest has, has, has a role, but, but I think that, that the overarching theme is it's the body of Christ, and I need to be. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's a specific member of the body of Christ. Yes, yes, with with a specific job. Exactly. And like I was saying, I feel Jesus was speaking to the body. He's given the body that authority. And then there are certain members of the body who, who act that. But like I was saying, in the olden days, they confessed to the church. And St. James says, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. Any comments? I'm done. I'll summarize and I'll let you guys go. Any comments or anything else? Oh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll end with this one quote. It's a bit, it's a bit deep, but, but I love it. This is St. Clement of Alexandria. He says, For as his will, so God, as God's will is a deed, i.e., when God wills something, like it happens. When, when, he's, when he was creating the world, and he said, let there be light, boom. It was like, let this, boom. Like, it, everything God wills happens. Like, it's, it's, it's a deed. So he's will and his words are alive for their action yeah i can speak all day long it's nothing just air when god speaks wills happens like yeah so as his will is a deed and this deed is called world so he, he will to create this world 
and it happened, boom, world. So is also his desire, the salvation of man. And this is called church. So, so God's will was to create this world and it happened, boom, that's world. His desire now is the salvation of all men. And that desire is called church. That, that, that church has fulfilled that desire. Which is what I was saying before. He reconciled everything back in Christ, which is the church. So in summary, why do I need a church if God is everywhere? That question doesn't make sense anymore now because church is not a place. So it's not about where God is. Church is the body of Christ. Church is the answer to the problems Adam created. Church reconciles everything back into back into its source, into Christ. Church is the body of Christ. We are all members of the body. We need this body to access the head, who is Christ. It's not an optional thing. As I was saying, it's not a cute thing. It's an essential. It's, it's the way we realize our personhood and our humanity in this unity. How, that's a great question. Maybe I'll open that up. How do I connect this building then and the stuff we do in this building to the body of Christ? Thoughts? In the emphasis in Protestantism is on individual salvation. And then, you know, the Apostle Paul says, forsake not the assembly of yourself together. Definitely, the, the, the gathering, this physical gathering is important. So don't misunderstand what I was saying. When I was saying church is not a physical place, I'm not saying forget the physical. The physical is an element that's still very important. But what I'm trying to say is it's a lot deeper than that. And I feel what we do here manifests that depth. If you know what I'm trying to say. But any, I want to open up like, any other thoughts? I think the church is the rituals and the tool sets to facilitate the spiritual truth into the physical reality. So the, the symbols as well as the, the rituals that we do for our physical, to like you said, facilitate the spiritual. To join the physical birth or creation is the gateway to the spiritual. Yeah. It's one gateway, which is very, very strong. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. That reminds me of um, when Jacob saw the ladder. When he had a dream and saw the ladder. And he woke up and said, how awesome is this place? I didn't realize this is the, what do you say, the gate of heaven? Like this is the house of God and the gate of heaven. It's kind of what you're saying, that's the, that gateway. When King David was asking about, uh, I think it was the name he wanted to build him, he wanted to build God a very high place. And then God, God sent her a gift. He says, it's not, it's not the earth, it's not the building. That makes the place hard, it's my presence. And so, even so, the, the church is the, 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 the presence of the people, that's the temple. And then the church is secondary, but without that first spiritual, the church has no depth. At the same time, without that church as the first, the spiritual can't be made because God ordained it. It's not a fit. Yeah. It's a fulfillment of the spiritual. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Any other thoughts? Is that something?
So, so I do feel like the gatherings to important because don't forget as well, when Jesus said, when two or three are gathered in my name, I'm in their midst. But I also feel that gatherings are a lot deeper than just a physical gathering. Because like I'm saying, we can be gathered here physically, but we're all fighting. And, and we're not one body. So I feel the physical gathering is important, but it's a lot deeper than that. But the physical should manifest the death. And all the sacraments really are revolving around the body of Christ. Like I'm saying, the central sacrament is the Eucharist. That makes us the one body. When I get baptised, I die and I rise with Christ and I become a member of that body. Everything's revolving around the body of Christ. <clears throat> Is it going to be right to say that God, Jesus, and the saints are present here when we are all here? Yes. Is that, would that be yes. Like the I think so, yes. Anyone disagree? Because I've, he's not contained, really. Exactly. Which can't see, like, but, but but again, in the liturgy as well. If you think about it, in the liturgy, when we're all here, the body of Christ, I feel God the Father looks down on us, and what does He see? He sees Christ. Do you know? Hmm? The body of Christ, exactly, exactly. So, like I was saying, I, th- I think it's a it's a lot more essential than I used to think it was. Like, I just think it's nice to come to church. It's nice to, you know. It's, it's nice, no, but no, it's not nice. <laughs> it's, it's essential. But it's, yeah. Anyone else? I just want to add to something to Toby. Jesus unites the unity comes from God, and division comes from Satan. And one of the big, very um, sort of common tricks that we've seen over and over again was that it was Thank you. 
think one of the following Christian members also said that church is a hospital for sick people. It's not like, I think he said it's not a museum of saints. It's a hospital. So, so yes, don't be surprised if we sin. Yes. This is what we can hear. And I don't understand when people come to a church and say, oh, I saw someone, something wrong, I'm not coming again. You know what it's like saying? It's like, I go to the gym and I say, I saw a fat person in the gym, I'm going to the gym again. What do you think the gym is for? You're the one who's losing out. Not, not the person in the gym. So it's me saying, I'm not going to come to church again because you're bad. You've missed the point completely. And, and I like what said, I, I feel that if someone's genuinely trying to get to know God and genuinely trying to build a relationship with God, God will lead them to the church. And you see it a lot. Someone takes life seriously, something close to God, all of a sudden they get closer to the church. Why? Because it's the body of Christ. <laughs> Even unknowingly, they get closer to the body of Christ because they're getting closer to Christ. Does that make sense? And, and, and one thing, I remember when I was in Sunday school, like when we need five, they made us do something that always stuck with me. They made us stand in a circle. I was going to get you guys to do this, but I, I won't do it. Made us stand in a circle with, with like a cross or something in the middle. And they said to us, Christ is the cross. So the cross, the cross resembles Christ. Now, we are all in a circle. Now, how can we all get closer to each other? Like, how can we all be united? Like, physically, mathematically, what can we all do to get closer together? If you think about it, if we're all standing in a circle, if we all take one step towards the cross, we've got closer to every single person. And you get more and more closer to the, to the center of the circle, you eventually become one. So the idea is, unity is not, you know, let's go for a coffee. And, and we'll be united. No, no, unity is we all get closer to Christ and we'll become one in Christ. So I think that's important to realize that it's not an external thing that we try to, you know, do together. Like, let's go for a coffee and get closer. Let's get to know each other. It's you get closer to Christ and naturally get closer to each other. That's when people get closer to Christ, they get drawn to the church, naturally. Firstly, thank you so much. Really enjoyed the talk. It's awesome. Um, I just wanted to sort of add one more thing on the um, intercession, so praying for saints, because I know we're asking the intercession to run, because I know a lot of people can suffer with that. Um, and forgive me for those who've heard this before, because I've shared this analogy a few times, but imagine now we're all at the airport, and one of our brothers or sisters is about to go to China to do mission work. And they've got Bibles taken themselves, and you can't take Bibles there, and they've got to put in their suitcase. Obviously, they'll say, pray for me to their brothers and sisters who are at the airport. And none of us would say to them, no, no, pray directly to Christ. <laughs> of course, we're going to pray for each other because we know that, yeah, you're going to pray to Christ, you're going to pray with all your heart to Christ, but we know the power of the body in interceding for one another. And in the exact same vein, the saints are our brothers and sisters who have gone before us and are standing before the throne of God. As we see in the book of Revelation, they're under the throne interceding and saying, how long, O Lord, until you come and uh, execute your vengeance on the earth so they can see what's going on? We ask them for their prayers, not that we go to them and we don't go to Christ. We go to Christ and we ask for their prayers as we ask for each other's prayers, believing that they're, as they're standing before the throne, not even as we are now through our weakness and our tiredness and our fatigue, their intercessing might cease in because of their love for Him and being filled with His love, they desire nothing else but for us to be with Him as well. 100%. Love it. And by the way, on intercession, St. Paul himself used to ask the church to pray for him in his letters. So it's biblical. Right? Exactly like everyone's saying. But St. Paul used to say, pray for me. Right? So it's, we're one body, and St. Paul says as well that the members of the body have the same care for one another. Do you know an amazing verse that I missed and just stood out recently? Jesus says, 
that if two of you agree on something on earth, it will happen in heaven. What's, what's that mean? Again, he's trying to emphasize the fact that if, if, if we are united in prayer, it will happen. So, so there's power in the body of Christ. Like I'm saying, I think the way we're designed these, these days, the society's designed, it's very individualistic. This thing we're talking about here tonight is very anti-society. So we're a bit resistant to it. But that's the way God designed things. For us to be one. Anyone else? Thank you guys very much. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. And thank you very much for having me. Thank you so much. Um, we all thank uh, Bassett so much uh, for being with us tonight. Uh, and we'll stand same with you. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.